You're listening to Talking Taiwan with your host, Felicia Lin. Edward Roquette was at the beginning of his experience as an entrepreneur when he was previously interviewed for Talking Taiwan. As you may have heard in the last episode of Talking Taiwan featuring Edward, we've invited Edward back on as a guest to talk about what he's been up to since then. Edward talked about his clean tech startup and why it failed, and the challenges that many foreign entrepreneurs experience in Taiwan. He also had a life-changing accident, which we will talk about in a follow-up interview in a future episode. These days, he is the founder of Rooms.Taipei, a co-living business in Taiwan. Here's our interview. Back in 2008, I was cycling every day to go to the uh, Mandarin Language Center uh, on the side of another job uh, to go and learn Mandarin. And I live in Zhonghe, and the air was extremely polluted. And for any cyclist or long-distance runner, you know that there is a certain amount of the time that you spend thinking and wondering. And for me, that thinking and that wondering was, well, what about the environment around me? What can be done? And so the obvious solution was electric vehicles. And if you look at electric vehicles, what's very clear is that all of the complexity is rounded, um, is, is all into the battery. Electric yes. vehicles in themselves, they're very simple machines compared to gas vehicles. Mm -hmm. For example, a gas scooter will have between 1,200 and 1,500 parts, but an electric scooter will have about 150 parts. Okay. And so it's a bit of a paradigm shift in how the vehicles function. But mm -hmm. what it meant was that if we wanted to make this happen and to clean up the air, um, there needed to be something happening for batteries. Right. And if you look in the in the context of cars, it's a little bit different because cars require uh, properly delineated uh, parking spots, and it's easy to add uh, recharge spot uh, points on mm -hmm. these parking spots. Uh, it's mm -hmm. actually happening around the world, and that battle is is already uh, fought and won. But for electric scooter, because the parking is a lot more you know fluid, uh, mm -hmm. what was clear was that you needed a different model. And over these, you know, hours spent cycling and cycling, I came up with a uh, startup that essentially was doing battery exchange stations mm -hmm. before electric scooters. Mm -hmm. And back then, I mean, what I realized fairly quickly was that I was not the only one in the industry. I was not the only one who had come up with this uh -huh. idea. Uh -huh. um, and this is, you know, there is, I believe, uh, a quote about this, which is that great ideas, they often come to many people at the same time. And in Taiwan, you found um, several startups who were doing them. And the one startup that really won it over was Gogoro. Yes. So essentially what I'm talking about was, the, you know, you, put, you turn up to a station, you remove your battery, you put the battery mm -hmm. into a station, you get a mm -hmm. fresh one. Nowadays, it's very obvious and it's very, to, to everybody, this is a system that's very clear. But back then, it was a mighty struggle to explain yeah. to anybody why we needed this. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I was young. This was, I uh, started this in 2009. Uh -huh. I was a little bit naive. Yeah. 
Uh-huh. I did not realize how much I was going to need to uh, be able to get this anywhere. And perhaps a part of me was also a little bit willfully ignoring the difficulties because I really wanted to do it. I got some recognition in particular. I won a uh, competition from The Economist and I was invited to um, speak at their Carbon Economy Summit in Washington, D.C. in late 2009. And as I look back, you know, many years later, I realized that unfortunately I was not ready for that opportunity. That opportunity was a little bit too high level for me and I was young. Yeah. Um, and so this was a bit, uh, you know, one of the high points in terms of opportunity. And the work that I was doing in Taiwan was, however, very low on opportunity. And... The reason why Gogoro has come ahead and succeeded so well was, well, there's several of them. One of them is obviously the work done by uh, Horace on uh, the industrial design of the scooters and the customer experience is stellar. Mm-hmm. And I really, this is something that at my young age, I wasn't understanding and I wish I had because I realized how, you know, ahead of its time, this part was. Mm-hmm. Um, but the second point, which I had not you know, necessarily understood equally as well back then, was uh, the type of support that you needed from industry. Um, in most startups uh, seen around the world, you sort of can, you, you can cold call, sorry, you can basically um, introduce yourself at an event um, and go and reach out to people. In comparison, Taiwan is a much more high-context society, yes. which require you to be part of a club, uh, to have specific introductions, and which requires you to spend a large amount of time to um, do um, social, uh, the social side of the work rather than the actual work. Russ had these uh, intros and his work at HCC, and I, I'm not—I do not know him personally. I just know him from the industry, uh-huh. um, and so I'm not privy to that much more information. But my understanding from what I've done since that is that his relations are really enabled uh, the startup. Strategically, you know, I believe that perhaps going for the high uh, level of the market, the uh, Tesla of the scooter, mm-hmm. of sure. sort is perhaps a strategy that's a little bit... I mean, I, I would have tried to have a product that's more affordable. They have started doing that in recent years with uh, their new 50cc equivalent model. But compared to the, the real cost of building an electric scooter, they could go much lower. In fact, I used to argue back then that electric scooters needed to become like mobile phone. <laughs> that you take a subscription for 1,000 or 1,500 NT per month and you get the scooter for free. Oh, interesting. Huh. Well, who knows? Maybe <laughs> one day. Or oh, a different market. It's yeah. uh, happened yeah. in a different way where mobility is moving towards services instead of um, uh, ownership. Mm-hmm. And so this is an even much more radical transformation uh, that's happening in terms of business model and, and usage. Um, I personally had not seen that at all. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but so eventually, um, while trying to develop this, I wanted to prove that um, these scooters could be, you know, very useful and could be 
Um, basically, the best use case for me was uh, in a given neighborhood uh, at a very high usage rate. And the police has that. Um, mm -hmm. Islands like Green Island have that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, but also delivery services. And right. so um, I teamed up with a chain of restaurants in Taipei in 2011. Um, mm -hmm. And in early 2012, we started a food delivery service from several different types of uh, cuisines. Okay. Um, and sadly, uh, one day we were short of staff and oh. I uh, took a scooter to go and help. And I had a massive crash that landed oh, me yeah. uh, into a wheelchair for about six months. Oh, my goodness. And on crutches for about eight years. Oh, my goodness. And I've really only recovered um, about a year and a half ago. Um, wow. I mean, I'm, I'm now standing without crutches, but oh, uh, I'm unfortunately handicapped for life. Stay tuned for my follow-up interview with Edward when we'll talk about how this life-changing accident affected him and how he was finally able to walk again without crutches. Out of, you know, um, the worst uh, challenges can come mm -hmm. um, yes. a form of silver lining, mm -hmm. which is that while in my hospital bed, my landlord tried to um, double up the price of my rent. Oh, boy. And he essentially tried to take advantage of this situation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, that kind of uh, pushed me into carefully studying the real estate market in uh, Taipei. Yes. Uh, because at that point, I had lived between 14 cities around the world and mm -hmm. in something like 17 different house shares. Okay. Um, and I had, you know, come around as to what most of the problems were. And I decided that I wanted to do my own thing, mm -hmm. uh, just my own house share in my own way. Right. And it turned out that this became, uh, that what I did became very popular. And that while I had to leave Taiwan in order to uh, recover and because of some visa issues, um, without me really uh, meaning it, uh, that became a business and started making money. <laughs> That's great. And when you have, you know, a life event where essentially you lose all of the money you have, your livelihood, mm -hmm. your mm -hmm. health, Mm -hmm. uh, for me, on personal, that included my personal relationships, some of them. Um, wow. You tend to go for what's safe and uh, what's familiar. And to me, mm -hmm. this was Taipei. And this is how mm -hmm. I came back. And in 2014, mm -hmm. I, uh, I started operating on the real estate market. What this means is that um, it took different forms. Um, but what I've been doing for the past five years now, um, six years, is that I take over all departments that I renovate. I have a management contract with the owners. So in this mm -hmm. regard, we're kind of like a property management contract. And I put them up on the market, not for uh, one year long rental, but for shorter rental. Usually there are five months. Uh, the average one tends to be seven months. That's, that's our uh, five year average. <clears throat> and I had a bunch of services. To solve another one of my problem, this time is not to breathe pollution. This time it was to move to a new city and to realize that every single time I had the same issues. When you move to a new city, you struggle to figure out what to eat, where to eat, mm -hmm. where to shop. So mm -hmm. the basics, basically, the, yeah. it's the thing that takes you two to three weeks. Yeah. Then beyond that, you start wanting to know what is nice to do around town. 
yeah. what are the parks, what are the bar, what are the culture, cultural space. Um, and then you want to find people to do it with. Mm-hmm. And then the next part is that you want to explore the area around your new city and finally the country. Right. And it's the same problems and the same um principles every single time mm-hmm. and so the way that i built my business which uh essentially can be found on www.rooms.taipei is as an accelerator for the experience of taiwan that a foreigner can have to put it simply because taiwan is uh, a place that's quite difficult to understand for a newcomer um, you would normally take about two years before you would have all of these, uh, the, the point that I mentioned. Uh, for example, by the time you start uh, cycling down the East Coast, probably a good, even a good three years has gone by because you, you, know, you need to go through all of these motions, all these steps. We, our missions was to accelerate that uh, between six and 12 months. And essentially to have people, to give people a much faster and better experience of Taiwan by covering a lot of the aspects of their arrival. And so this um, was very successful in the first few years. Eventually, um, it became very popular in Taiwan to be doing this type of business sometime around 2018. So uh-huh. quite a lot more competitive. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, um, unfortunately, because of the way the industry is structured, uh, it's difficult to gain scale and it's difficult to demonstrate your, um, your differentiation. It doesn't happen in other countries. This would have been like a steady, progressive uh, growth and rise. Uh-huh. Here, instead, I've had to uh, really hack completely the system to be able to do better and to figure out how uh, things are happening. This explains why in our industry, there is no real major player in Taiwan, whereas every other international city around Asia has already several companies doing this. The main issue is uh, the absence of um, enforcement of rules. The laws are poorly defined, Mm. and most people do things under the table or illegally. And... That means it's difficult to have people respecting contracts or doing work that will be at a certain standard. And it has created this strange situation where, I, I mean, perhaps I've heard this from, from other interviewees, but they open a successful restaurant or bar. Mm-hmm. Uh, it goes very well for two or three years. And then the owner slash landlord decide to increase their rent by 50 or 100%. There is this uh, idea from a lot of local landlords that if a business is successful, they should be the one making all the money and Mm -hmm. not the team who built Mm -hmm. up the Mm -hmm. restaurant, who put together Mm -hmm. the design, who Mm -hmm. did the service work. And there is unfortunately zero protection in terms of regulation. Uh, There is no rent control. There is no, everything is at at the favor of the landlord. And this has a dramatic cost, yes. an env- environmental cost, because of how mm. many stores are destroyed on a regular basis, mm. a humane cost in how many people lose their jobs because their business cannot afford the rent anymore, mm. an economic cost in that you constantly have to restart new companies. It's, mm-hmm. it's I mean, it's just yeah, it's very sad. a lot of waste. Yeah, that's unfortunate. And so the hacking the system for us has meant establishing relationships uh, with right. 
both people who are in the government and uh, real estate developers and larger yes. companies uh, to be able to uh, find some sort of middle ground where mm -hmm. they accept, accept to collaborate with us and then we can go ahead. But even as I'm saying this, this is still something that I'm developing and learning to do because it's yeah. mightily difficult. Yes. And perhaps this point to something that, uh, you know, is a little bit more difficult for Taiwan at the international level in the sense that, you know, there are um, plans to attract 100,000 foreign workers by 2030. Mm -hmm. But it's very certain that not a lot of these workers are going to be entrepreneurs because it's very difficult to uh, operate a business in uh, most sectors in Taiwan mm -hmm. as a foreigner if you're not mm -hmm. part of a specific club. That means if you don't have introductions to go uh, through these high context um, uh -huh. characteristics. Mm -hmm. Now, of course, there are industries that are much easier and much better. Sure. Uh, teaching works really well for a lot of foreigners. Mm -hmm. Exporting. Uh, to foreign market also works really well. Um, this is that there, you know, if people point at you in the street as a foreigner and say, oh, are you a teacher? Are you an engineer? Are you? <laughs> it's because they're expecting most people to be doing this and right. because most people right. do that. Right. But if Taiwan hopes to have um, foreigners coming in and opening all sorts of businesses, uh, there's still going to be an, an enormous amount of change uh, that needs yeah. to happen. And so to, you know, go beyond this, um, I, I developed several strategies on, on the side of my business. It's been to reach out to my competitors. And so I literally went online and I looked at who was doing anything similar to me. Uh -huh. And I just sent a message, which was along the line of, hey, looks like we're from the same industry. I'm this guy. I, uh -huh. I'd like to talk. And so... Maybe okay. one out of three times, um, yeah. the message that I receive are a bit suspicious. People wonder <laughs> why would I want to do yeah. that. Right. But the people that I've actually met have turned mm -hmm. out to be quite wonderful. Yeah. Uh, it was a very pleasant surprise, and it was I really I should have done this years ago. Um, and in fact, they have changed what I'm doing in that I have now teamed up with one of my competitors. We just made an offer on a larger building to take it over from a construction company and to operate it. And I've also teamed up with a foreign company where I have negotiated to take over their property management system, uh -huh. um, where I will be providing the system to some of my other competitors in Taipei for free. And in exchange, they will allow to sell me their rooms on my website. It turns out that working on my own for all these years was not a good idea and that it's much better to reach out to others. Yeah, interesting. So does that mean you're going to earn commission if you rent out these properties from other companies that are listed there? Or? Yes. Yeah. And so you have, you know, the traditional system for that is that of the OTA, uh, which is, for example, Booking.com, Agoda.com. And mm -hmm. so you will go onto these uh, platforms and you will uh, book a room for the night or for the week. This, uh, the OTA in this industry, they have a lot of power. And they're very successful because there's so many, um, uh, such a high number of transactions every year for every hotel. Uh, and the transactions tend to be a fairly low amount of money. In my industry, none of the OTAs have really succeeded. 
because they are only focused on being selling platform and they don't really focus on the um, the, the co-living space operator. And I think this is completely wrong. I personally take a very different approach to this in that uh, the people that I've worked with, I actually, for a number of months, I've sent them customers for free because I have too many people reaching out on my website, uh, thanks to word of mouth, uh, more than I could feel. So I've just them, hey, I have somebody looking for this room, take it. Um, I've also helped them with, you know, uh, uh, basically sourcing adequate um, furniture, also systems to operate their, their units. Um, and here with what I'm doing with the IT system, it's going to be give them, giving them a management system to make their operation easier. Mm -hmm. And where I'm trying to get is I believe that to be successful in my industry, you need to provide a lot more value for the space operator. The type of client that you're looking for, your customer, could you characterize them? We make the most sense for people who just arrived because mm -hmm. the guides, uh, the membership card in the bars, uh, the some of the events that we organize in the past, it's all, it has the most value for people who, you know, have been in Taiwan only for a few months to maybe one year. Mm. And so they are the majority of our customers. However, we do also have, like I, in fact, in the unit that I am in uh, now, downstairs, I've had, there is a guy who's been renting with us since I think 2018. Okay. And for him, it's just because he enjoyed the service, the cleaning, the trash management. Mm -hmm. uh, he enjoyed not having a contract in Chinese. Mm -hmm. He enjoyed the flexibility. He's happy to, um, you know, pay a little extra in order to have all of the service. Okay. Um, we do not, you know, select in any way our customers. Um, we, we're open to everybody. Uh, mm -hmm. Another uh, of my tenant is 49 year old. She's Taiwanese, mm -hmm. and for her, she's happy to live with young foreigners. Mm -hmm. So it's it's fairly diverse. Yeah. Um, but yes, it tend to be mostly young foreigners between 20 and 32. I would say. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, and and for and first timers. In particular, because housing is probably the most difficult issue that mm -hmm. uh, people have to solve when they move to Taiwan. Yeah. Uh, you know, beyond uh, the day-to-day -day adaptation, yes. uh, I would say you have housing, uh, adaptation, and then banking. Mm -hmm. Banking is also mightily complicated. Oh, yeah, we just covered that. <laughs> well, that. actually, this is mm -hmm. something that we're going to bridge later on, but with my entrepreneur sure. group, uh, yeah. I've now um, made a... We're trying to, to build up a team effort uh, to recruit more people to uh, open an account in a particular branch, a particular bank branch. So it's uh -huh. the Isan on uh, Minsheng Road mm -hmm. it, because it's the headquarter of Isan in that location. Mm -hmm. So they have service in English. And essentially, okay. we're trying to make sure that more and more foreigners sign up there so that we can then have a certain leverage when we talk to uh, uh, the bank managers mm -hmm. uh, to please ask them to give us the same service as they would uh, to a, a Taiwanese um, account holder. Right. Because legally, uh, there's nothing that stops it. In the bank's regulation, there is nothing that stops it. 
The only thing that stops a bank branch giving similar type of service to a foreigner as to a local is their fear of the unknown. Hmm. And so we're now trying to make an effort to, to fix that. <laughs> so if I may, please, yes. uh, any foreigner listening to this, please uh, consider signing up for an account at Yishen Yushen Bank on uh, Mincheng East Road in North Taipei. Uh, this would be greatly helpful for the overall effort. Okay. Yeah, actually, if you want to give me the actual address, I can even put it in our show notes. I have no problem. Thank you very much. I will yeah, do that. Sure, no problem. It's an interesting strategy. Housing, I too, yes. because, you know, this is a little bit my thing. Yes. Um, yes. I have uh, gathered testimonies. I've taken yes. screenshots on mm-hmm. testimonies from Facebook, mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. talking, and you find stories that are absolutely mind-boggling. I, in fact, the landlord uh, who tried to double up my rent uh, yeah. to, you know, take advantage of my situation, yes. Yes. I, I have met at least four people who sued him. Oh wow! Three who won. Oh. And close to a dozen who had gone to the police to complain wow. about him. Wow. And he's a notorious. Um, I mean, unfortunately, I I do not want to say his name publicly. Sure, of course not. Um. But he's in people who know a little bit the industry, he's close to a con man. And so you, like, this is the, one of the most egregious example. Um, but you, you constantly hear stories about, you know, somebody rent an apartment and it starts leaking really badly, or they start having sewage smell, or they start having, and these are, you know, nothing, uh, could have let you know that this was going to happen. Yes. And so there are some nice, you know, happy stories where uh, there's always a couple of guys who have had a wonderful little grandma as a landlady who, you know, has been respectful and quick and has taken care of the place. Mm-hmm. But the vast majority of the stories is of people having to argue and fight with their landlords in order to get them to fix things. That are, I'm not talking about changing a light bulb. I'm, I'm talking about really basic Something things. Something structural or, oh yeah. 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 And so regularly, because of the word of mouth and because we rank well on Google, I regularly get inquiries that I'm completely unable to satisfy because we don't have that type of properties. But people who tell me, but how am I going to do? Like, who do I talk mm-hmm. to? Oh boy. And so yeah. the housing for, for for foreigners in, in Taipei and in Taichung at the moment with all of the mm-hmm. uh, wind turbine companies, mm-hmm. uh, it's it's definitely very difficult for a lot of people. Oh, so there's definitely a need. Yeah. Um, yeah. But also there sounds like there needs to be a lot of reform in terms of landlord-tenant law and <laughs> things like that. Uh, absolutely. And also, I think you've mentioned probably regulations, housing standards. I've reached out to the office of the mayor of Taipei mm-hmm. through the French Chamber of Commerce mm-hmm. to offer them to um, co-opt a mm-hmm. standard of uh, accommodation and contracts mm-hmm. uh, that basically cover the basic. Mm-hmm. So fire safety, uh, contracts, bilingual contracts, um, a clear labeling about windows. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. I'm talking about really very basic things. Yeah. 
Um, I'm waiting to hear back from them. I yeah. hope that this is uh, something that they're going to be um, you know, interested in. I'm really not asking them to do any work apart to say, hey, yes, we agree with this. And we, we, we the city of Taipei, want this to develop. Um, but unfortunately, I mean, I haven't seen much happening in this direction anywhere. And in fact, if you look, I've, I've done an informal poll around me with uh, mm -hmm. my friends and my Facebook contacts, mm -hmm. asking them when uh, was the last time that they saw uh, habitation being built in Taipei that was not luxury habitation. And so we have identified a grand total of three projects Wow. in the entire of Taipei City. Right. This is this is informal, and obviously an architect would know sure. much better, a city planner yeah. would know much better. Sure. But what you're saying is the, I would say, this is a complete guess, but I would say 95% of what I see being built in Taipei mm -hmm. are units that are 50 to 150 ping that are going to sell for 800,000 US dollar to 3 million US dollar wow. and that have no use for the people of Taipei. They only have use for investors, uh, local or foreign investors, right, right. but they're not going to serve a need for the people mm -hmm. here. Mm -hmm. And this explains why last year Taipei city lost inhabitants. Mm. And I'm, I'm taking a pause saying this. You know, we were not really uh, affected by COVID equally as much as other cities. Uh -huh. I would say that outside of COVID, um, maybe it's only Taipei and, you know, Kabul in Afghanistan mm. that are losing inhabitants. There's wow. not a lot of places, not a lot of capitals that are going through this. Yeah, Taipei is known to have very high housing prices. Yeah. And, and nothing is done for this. And now for a short break. Hello listeners, we're going to be experimenting with some shorter form content, under 20 minutes long, and we'd like to hear from you. Would you like to listen to shorter episodes? What would you like to hear more of or less of? Email us at podcast at talkingtaiwan.com. We also have a special announcement for all of our donors, past, present, and future. We're giving all of our donors exclusive first listening access to upcoming interviews with Karen Lin, Democratic candidate for Justice of the Civil Court in Queens, New York. Chin Chi Yang, a multidisciplinary artist who was recently inducted into the New York Foundation for the Arts Hall of Fame. Michelle Kuo, an attorney, activist, and author of Reading with Patrick, which is a runner-up for the Dayton Literary Peace Prize and the Goddard Riverside Stefan Russo Book Prize for Social Justice. Ed Lin, author of Death Doesn't Forget, and Joe Henley, author of Migrante. If you want exclusive access to these episodes and more, support Talking Taiwan by making a contribution to our GoFundMe campaign. We are so grateful for our growing listenership and all the support that we've been receiving. Now, back to the episode. The people that I've met who want to do something are other operators like me. Uh, and then, so I've met Taiwanese operators who also care about the quality of uh, habitation for people. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the one, in fact, who's the most um, 
you know, forward on this is some the person that I'm teaming up with and that I just made a, an offer on a building with mm -hmm. because they believe in what it does. Mm -hmm. But there is no the mentality in the in the in the overall real estate industry is very far from what the people need. Yeah. So to 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 rebound on something perhaps a little bit more uh, uh, positive, sure. it's sure. so what do you do when the odds are against you? Mm -hmm. You, I've, I've found different strategies. So one of them has been to reach out to my competitors and collaborate. Another yeah. one has been through uh, the creation of this club of entrepreneurs. Uh, this is a private club. I don't really advertise it. This is um, essentially only by invitation. And it's between eight and 12 guys, and men and women, of course, Mm -hmm. uh, who meet in a meeting room every month for three and a half to four hours. Mm -hmm. And every person has about 20 minutes mm -hmm. to either give an update on what's happening with their business and mm -hmm. ask everybody to, um, you know, pitch in with their own experience and uh, to share their solutions. Mm -hmm. Or they come up with a specific question and ask everybody to, um, to, to pitch in. Yeah. And what is fascinating is that mm -hmm. even though uh, we're all from different industries, you have yes. tech, you have sometimes restaurants. Right. Last meet, last last one we had uh, fitness dance. <laughs> um, uh, it's Cathy moves Taipei. Uh, she's <laughs> very impressive. She started as a Zumba teacher. She built it up into a business. Now she does online classes. She's Excellent. probably. Like in terms of uh, female entrepreneurs, foreign yeah. female entrepreneur yes. who started from zero, yes. I, she's the most impressive that, that yeah. I've met in Taipei. So that's why I'm Wonderful. giving this shout. Okay. Um, but also photographers, people with restaurants. So it's quite varied. And what is yeah. fascinating is that even though the industries are very different, uh -huh. you often find the same questions. How yes. do I get uh, employees that uh, fit better with my business? Yes. How do I get customers? that right. fit better with my business. Right. Um, and you realize that, well, so real estate, we have contracting this way, but the guy who's in IT, um, he has different clauses in his business and maybe I can sort of uh, kind of apply what he does to mine and it may help to solve my situation. Mm. And so this has been really invaluable in learning the, uh, the in and the out. Mm -hmm. We were structured as a different club between 2010 and 2018. Uh, mm -hmm. That club was global. I'd started in Taipei. I was their first member. So this was really the, the, the original learning point for me. And mm -hmm. I restarted it last year um, because a lot of us were very keen on being able to do that. Mm -hmm. And what we find is that both the camaraderie in mm -hmm. knowing that we're not alone doing this, yes. but also the insights that we gain really help us facing situations that are just um, sometimes a little bit too much yeah and the final point is you find that these people get closer to each other and they start doing things together they share offices yeah. they go into business it's very helpful yeah i'm now trying to encourage uh the bar club and restaurants owners that i know around the city to do the same we've done some informal drinks uh, with dinner and drink and we just chat. Mm -hmm. And in particular, I'm trying to push them to uh, share information uh, on things that are not, uh, you know, that are not going to impact them negatively. So for example, with them, I share a lot of information about rents and I encourage them to share their 
you know, their own info about their own rent so that they have an idea about what's happening on the market, what's a good contract, what's a bad contract. And these guys need to meet more. And I think this could apply across a lot of different industries that it's important for people to talk to each other, uh, even between competitors, um, and to not be too afraid to share more about what's happening. Yeah, that's a very interesting approach because then, you know, like they say, knowledge is power, but then you can also like cut through a lot of the mystery of things, right? So if you can share information, then maybe it can become more equal footing so you can know what's really going on or what's the actual picture, right? Exactly. And you find, you know, for example, with the bar owners, Mm -hmm. I know some of them who pay six times as much rent for three times as much revenue. And so for that guy who's on the high yeah. side of the rent, it's not mm-hmm. worth it. Yeah. And he, he had not realized that. Wow. This wow. is, we're talking about simple things like that. Yeah. Or uh, with them, um, again, like the information that I share with them is to consider in advance uh, zoning. Mm-hmm. Because unfortunately, you meet a lot of landlords who will tell you, yeah, 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 no problem to open a bar here. But then wow. what you quickly realize is that uh, the zoning is not uh, agreeing with the fact that you have mm-hmm. a bar here mm-hmm. and that your neighbors can quickly um, yeah, complain, complain and uh, can quickly create problems for you that end up you having closing your bar. And oh. this is exactly what happened to um, a bar called French Kiss uh, next uh-huh. to uh, NTU uh, uh-huh. two years ago. They had oh, to dear. close because of this. And they had gone in a little bit naively, Mm -hmm. thinking that because there were five other bars and restaurants on the same street, they thought there would be no problem. And because people had told them, yeah, 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 it's okay, that's how we do it here. The Mm -hmm. reality was no. Wow. If I may rebound, somebody who is doing something really great for F&B businesses at the moment, Mm -hmm. uh, it's a group called Taiwan Impact Entrepreneurs. Yes. Uh, it's a very impressive character that has put this together. He is a South African who built uh, successively three very large companies, mm-hmm. uh, one of them with just thousands of employees now, um, who then created a fund that invested into uh, companies opened by people who were disabled, very poor, uh, coming out of jail. Like oh, wow. Again, like, and they helped, I think, more than 700 50 companies, something really very impressive. Mm-hmm. The guy then turned blind, oh dear. moved to Taiwan, and mm-hmm. created this community. And my personal experience with the community is that everybody that I have I interacted with, you know, either in the events or online, has been mm-hmm. very uh, willing to help mm-hmm. and really uh, wanting to do something together. It's a very high-energy environment. It's somewhere different in, let's say, the, the little company funnel as my club because it's much more at the beginning. So it's also good for people who only have an idea about creating a business um, and kind of need to learn you know, the basics and have not yet jumped into it. But it's also a, uh, a good club for like more Um, Mm -hmm. people who are further along, like me and some other guys. Mm -hmm. Um, And he is turning more and more toward F&B. And I'm not sure if they've made a public announcement about it, 
but there's something very interesting for foreign entrepreneurs in F&B that's going to happen mm -hmm. in the group. So uh, I don't want to uh, say too much, <laughs> uh, but I think this is really great work. Okay, so the, that's the Taiwan Impact Entrepreneurs. They have a Facebook group, and so yes. and that's for people who are more in the beginning stage of entrepreneurship, having an idea in the early stage and wanting to find a community. And they're doing a lot in the food and beverage space as a teaser. We'll have to see what that is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I... I, I I should have checked before. <laughs> Maybe they made the announcement, huh? but anyway. Yeah, uh, I, okay. It's also like I've, for example, I've met a guy that eventually came to my club later. He yeah. has 25 employees. Uh, he does, um, how do you, I'm sorry, kombucha in yes. aluminum cans. Uh -huh. uh, essentially, he wants to turn kombucha in a mass market product. It's called uh, Daori. Uh, with okay. two O, okay. um, and he's a very, very, very experienced entrepreneur from the U.S. who has opened over 25 bar and restaurants in Silicon Valley. I see. He's like a really interesting character. So this is not just the, uh, you know, the guys who have an ID. It's also people sure. who are further along. Sure. And so this tends to be more public events with a particular right. uh, topic. Um, really, so these are... My, my little club and this community are two yeah. of the strategies um, to go against adversity and, you know, a difficult operating environment. Mm -hmm. um, and reaching out to your competitors is what you can do personally in mm -hmm. whatever you're doing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Interesting, yes. These are um, good tips that people, whether, like I think in any uh, community, whether they're in Taiwan or elsewhere, elsewhere could think about like to find a community of um, people to connect with um, absolutely tips and then also to consider working with your competitors or connecting absolutely sure. in yeah in particular because you may be the best at what you do but mm -hmm. you're not the best at everything and yes. you're gonna learn stuff from the other guys mm -hmm. and sometimes things that can really surprise you in their simplicity I've talked about these um, these three efforts um, mm -hmm. now. Andrew, myself, and um, another fascinating guy called Elias Eck, who is the CEO and founder of uh, Inspire, who's yes. a B two B service company. Mm -hmm. um, essentially, Elias is has been the uh, point of contact for government efforts to try and improve the conditions of. Uh, foreigners and foreign okay. entrepreneurs right. in Taiwan. Right. And Elias has this incredible patience. Um, <laughs> I It's been years that I no longer uh, make the effort of, um, you know, answering surveys because I feel that nothing really changed. But Elias keep coming back at it because he understands much better how those local and central government work. And he understands that you have to very slowly grind to get little improvements. <laughs> and so we've recently been talking about the situation with banks. Uh -huh. I am now discussing with them about trying to uh, formalize this co collaboration so that we speak as one voice, but we're still in the beginning uh, yeah. steps right. of this. Right. Right. If only to understand you know, uh, who wants to do what, what is the exact vision, um, who's going to put in what work and etc. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. But there is really a crying need for more uh, representation from within society 
uh, on behalf of um, foreign employees, um, foreign, in, in fact, I'm, I'm not quite sure what's the exact denomination, but I'm also thinking about Filipino, Indonesian, and Vietnamese oh, workers. Yes. Who have, workers. Who are in sometimes very uh, dramatic situation yes. and have very hard conditions. Yes. Um, but also foreign students. Mm-hmm. Um, it, essentially, society needs to represent itself better with, with the government. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And, Right, and so you, Andrew and Elias, are working on an initiative to have some kind of unified voice to work specifically on banking issues or any issues uh, that foreign business people or entrepreneurs are having. So banking is the uh, early, the first steps. Yeah. Because banking is, let's say, some sort of an easy problem. Everybody yeah. knows what the issue is. Right. Um, we uh, have whole experienced it. Uh, it's um, it's a fairly straightforward one, and mm-hmm. we know that Latinos people feel um, pain uh, mm-hmm. in in their daily life or in their business life because mm-hmm. of it. That they're ready to make an effort, and mm-hmm. so this is how we're trying to find our footing and mm-hmm. to see what we're able to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I myself and Andrew are the one who. Are trying to push for uh, this to snowball and become something bigger. Mm-hmm. Elias basically has been for here so long and has done so much that, you know, yeah. for him, he's probably already seen guys like us who are trying to make things change. <laughs> and he's the, he's the, wide, the, the wise guy who's been around yes. for a long time. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, for sure. The last time when we found your interview from 10 years ago, I'm wondering if you could comment on what you think is changed since then because it's been like 10 years and i do recall in that interview you saying that you you're really at the very beginning of your uh, journey as an entrepreneur your experience as an entrepreneur and now you've done quite a few different things could you comment on how you think the situation has changed or not changed for foreign business people in taiwan there's definitely a really a much bigger influx of in the amount of foreigners that come here. There's, um, let's say, life has become more international. Okay. Uh, it's now this, the, let's say, the the foreign community and products have definitely established themselves more. Regulations and the visibility that we have on how to do things has gotten better. Mm-hmm. Um, the visibility part has gotten better. The regulation part hasn't really changed. Sure. Uh, some visa categories have eased up. Uh, the um, job seeker ARC extension has helped mm-hmm. a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, the entrepreneur visa that was open for four year, five year, uh, helped a lot of people. Unfortunately, um, these were a little bit off baked. Um, one example, for example, is for example, is the entrepreneur visa. I gave one to a guy who was working with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it took us six months to figure out if we were legally allowed to uh, pay him. That's I just crazy. could not six get months. a straight answer. Wow. So this is um, there's definitely been improvements, yeah. and I I see the communities more uh, meet more, know each other better. Um, instead of being little pockets of foreigners here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the meantime, um, you know, global competitivity 
has exploded. Mm -hmm. And if I was talking to myself, you know, young entrepreneur 10 years ago, mm -hmm. I would definitely have the, you know, I've, I've told myself, like, be really careful what industry you're um, opening in and what country mm -hmm. uh, you uh, hope to operate in. Mm -hmm. I definitely did not help myself choosing an industry like this. I really wish I had gone for electric bikes or uh, perhaps some online services uh -huh. um, because these, at, at least the way things stand in Taiwan, are incredibly difficult. Yeah. Um, and they're not very financially rewarding. Um, most uh, entrepreneurs, uh, at least local entrepreneurs, are not doing this for the money. They're in Taiwan because they enjoy the lifestyle and the culture, perhaps because they have uh, somebody you know that they're married with in the country. Mm -hmm. um, but I think if you are, you know, if you have an idea for a project, you want to go ahead. Um, a, a bit of a cool head will perhaps save you years of trouble. Um, in, and that would simply be checking, okay, are there other foreigners in this space? What is their difficulties? How are regulations? Mm -hmm. um, I, I think it would be important to ask around. Mm -hmm. Right. So what is it that keeps, why are you in Taiwan then? Because there, obviously there are a lot of hurdles and things that you've mentioned, but you've decided to be in Taiwan. The truth is my accident removed a lot of options for me. Mm -hmm. uh, perhaps, you know, I could have been more creative in solutions that I found. Mm -hmm. um, but this was definitely the hardest thing that happened to me. And I, after developing my, um, my cleantech uh, startup, mm -hmm. I went through a personal, uh, how can I say, I felt I had been too naive Uh, mm -hmm. to uh, pie, in the uh, pie in the sky yes. to, that I had not been concrete enough. And I essentially wanted to prove myself that I could do something from the very beginning, from uh, the ground up and develop right. it, which is right. what I did. Yes. But what I ignored in the process was uh, the amount of difficulty that it would entail. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, after that... Um, There's been a certain, you know, pride in wanting to uh, push things to a level that I would find satisfying. Um, and then COVID happened. Yeah, right. Uh, COVID right. Has, been, has had a huge impact on our industry. Mm -hmm. A lot of my competitors have closed. Mm -hmm. uh, we're about to face a housing crunch for young foreigners from September. Mm -hmm. I know that I'm going to get a lot of message in September of October of people telling me, please help me. I've been in a hotel for three weeks. I can't oh, wow. afford it. Oh, I don't wow. know where to live. I can't find anything that's, you know, just decently normal wow. and clean. Wow. Um, I only find things that are mm. extremely expensive and very poor quality. Wow. So there's... <laughs> so there's... Um, My, my own personal approach now is that I'm giving one last big push uh, before reconsidering uh, my options next, maybe in middle of next year. Mm -hmm. And I would encourage every foreigner uh, who is in Taiwan um, 
perhaps not because of marriage, to ask themselves, like, why am I here this year yeah. with skipping myself here? Right, right. Because there are a lot of opportunities elsewhere. Um, mm -hmm. Taiwan is absolutely wonderful on the human uh, side of the experience. Mm -hmm. I've um, seen a lot of people growing, you know, discovering hobbies, growing into their hobbies, turning their hobbies into a job or a business. And this has been really wonderful to see, mm -hmm. but it's unfortunately incredibly difficult to uh, really make a life here. Oh, because right. I, I'm now 39 and I have mm -hmm. to ask questions mm -hmm. about mm -hmm. my retirement. I find you can, you know, I, I have a lot of, I face a lot of deceiviness every day. Um, I find that if I practice the things that I love about Taiwan, I, it makes li life so much easier. So tonight I'm taking a train to go and cycle the road 193 from uh -huh. Hualien to, uh, it's going to be to Raceway and then after we switch to another road uh -huh. and we go to uh -huh. Taidong. Yeah. Um, last month I was, it was my 14th year as a tiger man for the birthday of the goddess of the sea. Ah, uh -huh. yeah. In, uh, well, Beigang yeah. at the, uh -huh. yes, at the Chaotian temple. Yeah, yeah. And I find that, you know, we, we can be, honest and consider difficult sure. problems if sure. we make sure to do the things that make us happy on the side. Yes, that's true. I also saw on your LinkedIn that you said you founded like the biggest sports group for foreigners in Taiwan. Yes. That's still uh, going on? I, I would have to check the exact uh, member numbers right now. Yeah. Uh, one of the biggest group is perhaps a better definition because things okay. have changed a lot. Sure. But essentially, when arrived, uh, a lot of people that I met on weekends would go out and drink, mm -hmm. which is fun. <laughs> sure. And you socialize a lot and sure. you get to meet a lot yeah. of people. It's very interesting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I fairly quickly found that, you know, there was uh, a lot more to do. Mm -hmm. um, and that came out into this uh, group where I would organize pretty, pretty much any sport event mm -hmm. um, every week to every two weeks. Mm -hmm. And so we would go hiking, cycling, yeah. paragliding, yeah. would go to hot springs. We would, sadly, when I had my accident, I was suddenly a lot more limited to just cycling. Yeah. But a number of other admins took it over. And I'm not as much involved as before. But, for example, I just looked up the event program last April. I realized there were eight events in April. Wow. So the guys what have is, been very What is busy. the name of the group of people who are interested in looking for it? It's called Hiking and mm -hmm. Riding in Taipei. Okay. I will also, to, to be fair, because a lot of people do really great things like that, there are a sure. couple of other groups to consider as well, if this is your okay. thing. Sure. The guys who are a little bit more hardcore in hiking, they're the Taipei Hikers. Okay. Uh, very, very impressive group. Like They do really fantastic events, and I think yeah. they're even busier than we are. Uh -huh. And you have also, um, so it's, um, this other group is uh, partly not-for-profit events and then for-profit events. Okay. Uh, but their, for, their paying events are absolutely wonderful from what I've heard. It's called Taiwan Adventures. Okay. Uh, so uh, these three groups, follow them, uh, Facebook and Meetup. Yeah. Um, and okay. you will, I, I guarantee you will have wonderful weekends um, yeah. in nature. Yeah, I mean that's that's the one thing about um, Taiwan is like the, it's so accessible to nature and the mountains. Absolutely. And all that. For how 
densely populated and urban it is, but you still have that. You also have that option. I I just cycled a hundred kilometer from uh, last Sunday from my house uh, down to Sancha, up to Dantre, back to my house again. Oh my goodness! Where else could I do this? Yeah. And yeah. with so much variety. Yeah. yeah the, uh, Taipei. In this regard, Taipei is absolutely incredible. Give myself a little bit of publicity yes, again. <laughs> so I operate www.rooms.taipei. We mostly do rooms in shared apartment, but I am now uh, working with other operators and other landlords. Um, so once again, if you've been living for a few years in Taipei, I'm probably not really the person you want to talk to because the prices are not going to be as interesting for you. But if you just arrived, um, we're probably the best people that you want to talk to. Um, we also collaborate with some independent agents. So if you're looking for a whole apartments, uh, we can probably put you in touch. So don't hesitate. Okay. Oh, and actually one last thing. We also run a newsletter uh, to keep uh, people updated on the situation on visas uh, in times of COVID. The newsletter mm-hmm. has been running for the past two years, and it's both a commentary on the on, on recent news and also analysis. Uh, it does not come out at a regular basis. It comes out when there is something interesting that you need to know about visas. Um, that newsletter can be found on our website. Um, it's due for an update, but I'm waiting because at the moment, a lot of things are changing. Um, and there is going to be, uh, probably some announcement in late June and, and early July. Um, we're probably going to see several categories of visas being reopened. Uh, so if you're looking to come to Taiwan, um, keep hoping this is definitely the best, um, outlook that I've seen in the past two years. And um, sign up to our newsletter if you want to know more in the next few months. It was really, really interesting. Thank you for sharing all of your experience. I am glad to have been here. I've been speaking with Edouard Roquette, the founder of Rooms.Taipei. If you'd like to check out their COVID newsletter that provides updates to help people keep up on the visa and immigration situation in Taiwan during COVID, We'll list it in the related links section for this episode on our website, TalkingTaiwan.com. Now it's time for you to show us some love. We just found out that you can rate us on Spotify. Or if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Audible, leave us a review there. It helps others to discover Talking Taiwan. To learn more about any of the items mentioned in this episode, visit our website, TalkingTaiwan.com. There will list any related links. Thank you for listening to another episode of Talking Taiwan. I'm your host, Felicia Lin. Talking Taiwan is brought to you by Forumosa.com.